the volume. This session is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the sessions. Um, This is a fun episode. I feel like I've been watching so many, uh, this sounds creepy, I've been watching all these people from afar. Um, But now that I work for AEW, I get to call these people co-workers and like learn more about all of these human beings and Darby Allen is one of those people that was on that list for me where I was like "Mm, what's that guy's deal I would love to pick his brain and see what exactly is going on we talk about it in the episode but the first time I ever saw Darby wrestle was when he wrestled John in an independent show for Northeast Wrestling and I was like look at this guy go oh my god like the stuff he wants to do to push his body in those matches to the limits is like mind-bending But to see him for my first time then to everything that he's done in AEW, um, you know, the insane matches that this guy has, uh, the stunts that he does, working alongside Sting, I mean, even outside the ring. I mean, you see, (laughs) we get into all the stuff he does outside the ring because it truly makes Mama Renee show up where I'm like, is this okay? Is this guy going to be okay? Is he going to survive? Because this dude pushes his body to the absolute limit. However... He does take care of it. So that at least gives me like a little bit of reassurance. Um, But yeah, this this guy's great. I had a really great chat with him. So let's just get into it. You don't need me to tell you more about it. Let's just listen to it. This is Darby Allen. Um, Okay, so I'm going to start this interview off with something super random, but I was watching the trailer for a new Timothy Chalamet movie, and I realized he reminds me of you. Have you ever been told this? I don't know who the hell that is. No, <laughs> what? I don't have a TV at my house. Stop. I only just recently got Wi-Fi because people told me I should have it for work um, because I kind of live out in the woods. It's like, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know any new movies. I don't know any new shows. I don't have, like, I don't know shit. 
Well, first of all, Timothy Chalamet is kind of like the it boy. He's like very kind of like brooding and like he's very serious. He's a great actor. He's in the movie um, Call Me By Your Name. I can't remember the name of the new movie he's doing. It was actually filmed here in Cincinnati. Something like, I don't know. Anyways, whatever. He's great. And anyways, he reminded me of you when I was watching the trailer for his new movie. I was like, I'm trying to place where it's drawn, when it's, what it is. I'm like, it reminds me of Darby. That's what it is. I'll show you at TV because we are now co-workers. Yeah, I heard. I saw, saw it when uh, I was down home in Atlanta and I, I wasn't there this past week in Toronto. I was getting ready for this Halloween party at my house. And, oh, um, that's why I'm stoked that I'm here in Ohio because I didn't know if I was going to survive my uh, my latest. What does that entail? What what is your Halloween party? I feel like this thing it's at your house in the woods. Yeah, we had like uh, some bands play. We that car I jumped over my house with the Jeep. Uh huh. We got that running again, and we were going to do more uh, jumps in the woods. Some more. I don't know how the Jeep is still alive, but it is. It was cool. I ordered a bouncy house, but um. Didn't get to use it so busy all day that I ended. Then I got my money's worth in the bouncy house by sleeping in it. <laughs> um, but I also got a dunk, and then we fill up the whole dunk. Tank. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we filled it up with everything from the grocery store, like raw hamburger meat. Ew! Smell like shit. Then we had a big skate contest because I just built this pretty good sized skate park in my backyard, and um, yeah, Billy Gunn was also there randomly, which is. <laughs> <laughs> Did Billy Gunn go in the dunk tank? No, he didn't go in the dunk Boo. tank. I got a wrestling ring downstairs in my basement. We did this thing where we were running the ropes, and Billy Gunn was shooting us with a paintball gun. And he caught me right on top of the dome right here. And, you know, it was just funny. To, it was a funny sight to see Billy Gunn hanging out with a bunch of skaters. Billy Gunn, that's, what, that's his fountain of youth, I think. I mean, I don't know how this guy is just like this resurgence of Billy Gunn. I am here for it. I, the scissor me daddy, we are all on board. Everyone loves Billy Gunn right now. Hell yeah, as it should be. The guy's a saint. He rules. It was fun. What a, what an insane party. Are you exhausted? Like, is your body beat up? Does your body ever get a break? I feel like you're always just kicking your own ass. Yeah, no. Every time I'm off for the week, it's like, all right, Darby's going to like take the week off and chill out and whatever. But it's like, I go harder outside of work than I do in the realm of AEW. So I'm never really like stopping. So uh, it's it's fun, though, because I never know when I'm going to, you know, get hit by a bus or something. How old are you? You're young. You're young. So you're still feeling good. I'm 29 right now. Do you feel good? I feel amazing, actually. And I've been jumping off of washers and dryers onto concrete since I was four. So I feel uh, I feel really solid, actually. I do. I'm so extreme about physical therapy. If the one thing you see. Oh, you are. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I, I want to be as crazy as for long as possible. So if you ever see me at tapings, I'm always in the doctor's room. Not, not because I'm like messed up just cause I like to do maintenance and like dry needling and acupuncture and you know, a lot of yoga and shit. What do you think works the best? I was curious about that. Cause I was like, I wonder if he has one of those guys that really like gets in there and takes care of himself. Cause I would almost, I would have thought maybe you weren't because you're so extreme and so insane. I thought you just like, I don't know, would maybe throw some ice on it, but good to know you're actually being like diligent about taking care of yourself. What do you think's most effective? Acupuncture. I talked Sting into trying it for the first time. And he said that he got like a kick-ass nights of rest. So, uh, I think it works like really good. Um, 
I don't know. There's a lot of shit that I do. I got my whole house is full of like weird knickknacks, like aversion tables and all this like cool, like whatever. There's like things that you put your neck in and you pump this thing up and it stretches your neck out. And I don't know, man. It's <laughs> like some like EDSM crap, but uh, it's not. It's, uh, it's a fucking physical therapy. So. I feel like I need, now that I work for AEW, I feel like. I would like to start a segment where I just come to your house and I just, I just want to check out what you have going on there. It seems like a, a madhouse all the time. I always thought it'd be cool if AEW did like a cribs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like my house would be psycho. We got 14 acres. We just. How many people live at your house? You say we, like how many people are involved in this project? Two right now. It's just this friend from high school named Kentucky. He's like my right hand crazy man. He's like insane. And then Nolan, uh, who plays in a band called Ghost Main. Uh, so he's never, I told him, he goes, he's on tour all the time and he like lives in, he lived in Los Angeles. I'm like, dude, you're never home. Like you're wasting all this fucking money on rent. Like just come live out in the woods. So it's just us. And Kentucky's the lawn care guy. He takes care of everything. So why no TV? Why no Wi-Fi? Why out in the woods? This is obviously an active decision. How come? Out in the woods is because like I want to blow shit up and not be bothered. <laughs> and I want to jump my house and not be bothered. <laughs> There's a lot of things like just freedom. and But no TV and Wi-Fi, I feel like I could turn my mind off because I'm really into like kind of meditating a lot and being in my... I don't know. I, there's a lot that goes into it. The moment I'm around like TV or like Wi-Fi, I kind of feel trapped and it feels like there's like a rat race going on when I would rather just fuck off and live in my own world. And that's what I do all the time. It's like uh, a few people come over and then when they see like the place, like no wonder you don't feel the need to go on Twitter. <laughs> you're like, you're out here doing all these weird shit all day. And Okay, so are you like a big reader? Are you writing? Like when you're like in your own little world, what what all, I mean, aside from the stunts, we, we know the stunts are happening, but like when you're not destroying your body and jumping your house and repairing your Jeep, what are you doing? I do do a lot of reading and I do a lot of writing. I went to film school, but I dropped out for wrestling. So I always like try to come up with these like screenplays of these movies and stuff like that. And I'm always thinking about it and like, I get. I want to pull the trigger on directing my first film like pretty soon, but it's just a matter of like you know I was trying to like build my name up as much as possible in the last couple of years. So when I release this film, it's kind of like got a head start as opposed to some random jack off from film school. That's like you know there's a million people releasing movies, but if I figured if someone's like yo Darby Allen has a movie, people would be like let me see what that's all about. What are the movies that you gravitate towards of like movies that you want to make? Uh, so movies I want to make are just like dark comedies. But what I gravitate towards is like documentaries. That's like uh, it's like something I would always really be interested in, like all these crazy documentaries and stuff like that. But uh, as of right now, the screenplay that I've gotten is for like dark comedies and stuff. Do you have like a DVD collection? What are you watching if you don't have TV and you don't know who Timothy Chalamet is? How are you like keeping up on, <laughs> on what's going on? I don't know. I just watch skate videos all day. It sounds weird, but like I don't I, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know. There's so much going on that like someone's like, yo, did you hear there? I didn't know there was a new like Hocus Pocus movie until like yesterday. I was like, what? It's pretty good, actually. It's pretty charming. <laughs> it's not bad. 
I don't I don't know how I keep up with anything. Well, I guess it's still kind of like word of mouth, because if something's big enough that you need to know about it, you'll hear about it. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of it's kind of it. I think the last movie I've seen in the theater was like Joker. And that's just because I like Todd Phillips, the director. His I like his work. His first ever uh, documentary was uh, he followed around Gigi Allen, if you know who Gigi Allen is. I don't. Who's Gigi Allen? The dude I'm named after. <laughs> okay. What, who is he? What's his deal? I don't know who that is. Todd Phillips followed around Gigi Allen uh, in the last like year of his life. It's funny because like, I'm straight edge, but Gigi Allen was like uh, the exact opposite. He died of like a heroin overdose, but he was a, he was a psychopath on stage. He'd like be the guy who would like take a crap on stage and eat it and throw it at oh people. Oh, my God. But the thing is, like um, Todd Phillips, his first ever film was called Hate It. It was following Gigi Allen around and stuff like that. But then he went on to make all these like critically acclaimed like movies like The Hangover, Road Trip. Now the Joker, which is like the number one selling movie uh, for rated R of all time, like is cool. What kind of stuff would you want to do? I mean, I feel like the cinematic style matches that AEW has done have all actually been really fucking great. Um, what what kind of different touch would you want to do on a cinematic match, or you know, when working on them? What's that all like? The cinematic match was like I don't know. That was that was kind of hell on earth. Was it? Yeah, because how it's like I get thrown through a door and it's like cut, do that again. <laughs> okay, yeah, that aspect would definitely fucking suck. You get your adrenaline so high, and then you have to stop for so long and then go so high. There's this part in the cinematic match where I was on the second story and I was throwing a bat down to Sting, like just a baseball bat. Right before we were going to do the scene, Tony Khan was like, cut, cut, cut. He's like, don't you know how physics work? It's going to break Sting's face. Like the bat, like falling from the second story. And then uh, Sting's like, no, like we, we're going to do this. It's too cool not to do. And then it's like, no, it's going to like break your face if you don't catch <laughs> Oh, shit. That was like the first and only time I ever really stopped and thought about like, because normally if you think too much about things, like, you know what I mean? Like it'll just, it'll throw you off. But Sting was like whispering. He's like, dude, just throw the bat. Well, you can't break Sting's face. That's a lot to carry on your shoulders to be the man that broke Sting's face. That's fucked up. But Sting was like, dude, just throw the bat. Like, do it anyways. And then we did it. And he caught it like one handed, like perfect. I remember we were filming from like noon to like six in the morning. And uh, it was insane. But it was super fun. But I would never want to do it again. Turned out great. You know, there was so much stuff I wanted to do in there that we couldn't want to, like, run someone over with a car or, you know, but uh, there was a lot of stuff. It was fun, though. What is, like, left for you to do, like, when you're thinking about either you're doing something in the ring or it's something you're going to do once you get home? What are, or do you have, like, a list written down somewhere of, like, shit that you're trying to accomplish or big feats? Like, what is that? It was funny, it's funny you asked that because I, uh, I asked Tony like probably like a month ago. I was like, yo, do you have any connections to outer space? <laughs> does he? I feel like he might. Does he? I think he does. Yeah. Like, so I was just like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like people are going to politic and, yo, yo, let me be champion. I'm like, there's been a thousand champions, but no wrestler has been outer space. So uh, let's make that happen. Yes. But it always, it always changes because like, you know, I was in Nitro Circus, and that was, like, a big thing of mine. 
I backflipped like the little tricycle over the four, like this forty foot gap, and I'm just thinking of like first time ever. It's like ain't no wrestler gonna fucking backflip a tricycle again, you know? Like I feel like uh, I'm in a league of my own with that type of stuff, but it feels good because it hel- I don't know it helps me like stand out because like when I first started wrestling, I was like, man, am I gonna even be able to hang in this shit? And like I just didn't know how like I could fit into this world of wrestling because I felt like such an outsider from it. And, um, yeah, it helps out. Like probably like two weeks ago, I went to Oregon to jump off a 92 foot waterfall. Oh my God, dude, I saw that. Holy shit. But what happened was I got up there and there, there was like no cell phone reception at all down there. And I got, I got up and I was like, yo, this is really high. I was like, this is fucking high. And if I like land it wrong, I was like, no one would be able to come save me. And to get back up to where the cars were parked, you had to scale up the side of a mountain holding onto a rope. So if you got fucked up, you would have been left for dead. Yeah, like someone would have someone would have had to walk with their cell phone reception and call an airlift to come find me. But I was up there and I'm like looking, I'm like, I can't do this. Like it's just I gotta wrestle Jay Lethal this week. <laughs> I'm like looking, I'm looking, and I, I'm up there for five minutes, but it's kinda wet, you know? And I slipped and I fell off the side. So if you watch the video back you can see me like slip and then I fall to my ass and I'm already like leaning forward from falling, like slipping. And I have to like, it's either I have to jump off and try to save myself or I'm going to try to like catch myself and then probably get more messed up. So I'm already leaning forward. So I jump off and I barely skate that one away. I was like, so it's kind of funny to think like, oh, I fell off a 92 foot waterfall. That just made my stomach turn. I used to not be afraid of heights in like the last like, Maybe like five years or so, the idea of something like that happening or like falling. We just watched the new movie called, which obviously you've not seen it. Um, Fuck, what is it called? It's the same people that did 47 meters down, but it's about these girls that climb this gigantic cell phone tower thing and they get stuck up there. I watched that on the plane with no like audio. I just like was watching the visuals of it and like the buzzards were like eating the dead girl. My palms were sweating the whole time. I was so fucking stressed out that whole movie. That's your real life. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was actually like, I didn't get to watch it with audio, but it seemed cool. It's actually pretty good. It's one of those, like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God, we have to watch this. Like 47 meters down, we went and saw it in theaters. And I remember like John and I were both like maybe having like minor panic attacks watching that film. Uh, and yeah, seeing, I can't remember what this new one's called, but anyways, same people, same deal. Anyone's listening hopefully knows what the hell we're talking about, but good movie. Definitely check it out. Um, in the ring, where do you draw the line? on what you're going to do. or somebody, I, I assume somebody else is drawing this line for you. I don't know, actually. The body <laughs> so, bags like, so stress with, me out. Those look gnarly. When you're taking like a suplex in the body bags, like how do you, how? That's funny because uh, two weeks ago, we were at my friend's, uh, he was performing at a music festival down in Calif- uh, Sacramento called uh, Aftershock. It's like they had a bunch of people there that night. There was like Rob Zombie, Slipknot, but my buddy's band is a ghost main and they had like a pretty like good turn for the crowd. And we threw me in the body bag and threw me off the stage and I crowd surfed in the body bag. And like, it was like 90 degrees. It was so fucking hot. And we, we went from the front of the crowd pretty much to the back. Like we went, we got far. And then because I got on the stage beforehand, I was like, yo, everybody sometime in this concert, I'm going to be getting in that body bag. So, uh, just take me all the way to the back. Like, cause like I wanted to like go through thousands of people zipped up 
And then as I was getting like crowd surfed through people, they were like, I guess the people that didn't know that I, you know, gave a speech, they're like, holy shit, there's someone in there. And it was like pretty, it was pretty funny though. Uh, but like that was, that, that was so hot. I was like, holy crap. I'm going to need to take a Xanax in order to complete this interview. Like that shit stresses me out. Oh my, like how claustrophobic. Do you ever hit a point that you're like, hey, I'm done. Are we at the end? Like, let me out of this bag. Like, does that happen? No, not yet. And I haven't got to a point either in the ring where I'm like, all right, this is this is where I'm too sketched out. There was the one part where I wrestled Jeff Hardy and I was on top of the ladder and like, you know, when I did the front flip and we went to the chairs. So like earlier in the day, I climbed that ladder and I looked down. And I was like, yeah, I'm for sure going to the hospital tonight. Like there's no, like, there's no way around it. Like for sure. And then, uh, but like when the lights are on and the camera's going and you're up there and then I'm like, all right, here I go. And I did the flip. And then everyone asked me like, Yo, how'd that feel? I'm like, dude, honestly, it didn't feel like anything. It was so safe. You can see me if you watch the video back. I like kind of go to Jeff's ear. I'm like, that shit was so fun. <laughs> that was fun. But that was like, I feel like AEW-wise, that was like the craziest thing Like that I thought for sure I was like <laughs> going to meet my doom. What was it like for you to work with Jeff Hardy? I mean, you guys have been compared for forever. So for you guys to finally get to meet, working for the same company, get in the ring together, um, what, what was it like? It actually felt like I was putting a match together with myself. That's cool. It's like, I'm going to front flip off of this. And he's like, well, then I'm going to flip and you're going to move. And I'm going to land on the stairs. I'm like, I've never heard someone say that. <laughs> so just, it felt like I was talking to myself. It, it was fun because, dude, a week before, it was just supposed to be a normal match. Just like a straight up just like match. And I went up to Tony. And I was like, ain't nobody want to see us exchange wrist locks. No, like, you know, you, you didn't put it into a corner too much there. Like something, something has to break. Like there has to be something insane going on. And then it was like in New York where there was like a state commission. And I was like, oh, why are we, why can't we wait a week where we're in Texas where no one gives a shit? <laughs> it's a free for all in Texas. Let's go. I'm talking to the commissioner. Oh, I'm going to climb up this ladder. I'm going to jump through here. And he's like, okay, you got it. And I was like, oh shit, it's on. So. <laughs> He was cool. With it. Oh, there's just no blood. I'm like, cool. Everyone always says like the commissioner's gonna shut the show down if you do something stupid. So like, I'm always thinking like, am I gonna front flip off this ladder and the lights go out? Like, <laughs> it's just like shows over, guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. So I just rather be like, you know, I like, I want people to know what they're getting themselves into. You know, so uh, it's cool. Like I've never like busted a thing out in a match where I didn't tell anyone. Like, I'm always, like, telling everybody every single small detail. That's nice. Yeah, that was super fun, though. Like, Jeff, uh, he was the man that, like, that night. It was, it was cool as shit. It was fun. Jeff's the best. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that gives all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. Then you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to totals. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets plus three months of NBA League Pass. Just use the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 
Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. What's like your family situation as a mom when I'm seeing the things you're doing? I'm like, oh my God, my daughter, if she were to be doing things like seeing her getting hurt, all of these things, like that would freak me out. Does your family ever like call you up and they're like, can you just calm down? No, they're there for all of it. My mom and dad were there when I jumped my house. It was so funny because we jumped the house for the pilot of my reality show called Darby's Days Off. So we, you know, had this like reality thing where what does Darby do in his days off? And it's just like this gnarly shit. And then my my parents were in the whole pilot, you know, like it was following them around. It was super fun. Like, but uh, they were there. And then my dad and my mom like have been there since like the beginning with all the gnarly shit that I was doing like in high school and like jumping off like with skateboarding and stuff like that. So they're used to it. They're so hyped on it now <laughs> that it like paid off. <laughs> it's not just some dumb hobby. I was a dishwasher. I worked at my first ever job was like Little Caesars and I would dance in the outfit in the street. <laughs> I was like, shit, like, I don't know. Uh, There's a lot like there's a lot of things they just didn't know if anything was going to pan out. Like, is this guy going to be jumping off his shit working at Ross his whole life? Where does like that thrillist part of you come from are your parents like that at all or like what kind of just what sprung this whole crazy side of you you know what's funny is i actually make them do shit now like my dad uh I keep telling them like you're you know your uh, glory days are not going to be in your 20s it's going to be in your 60s motherfuckers and then like i get like i ran it out this helicopter and i didn't tell them and we, like it landed in my front yard and we're like all right I'm taking you to this water spot. We're going to fly from my house to this lake. And then you're jumping off the out of the helicopter into the lake. And my mom did it. And it was like oh 60 feet. Gosh. It was crazy. My mom's bones would all break. My mom's like 69. She'd be, my mom would be shattered. I don't know if she'd survive it. It was cool. Like, and my, uh, my dad, like, make him do all this crazy shit. Like, uh, Brody King on the pilot of the show, like, body slammed my dad into the thumbtacks. You know, they don't know what to expect anymore. But that's what's the sickest part about this whole journey with AEW is bringing all my friends and family along for the ride, like with everything I do outside. We do so much like crazy shit with my family now. It's so fun. (laughs) I love, but you know what? Those are some of my favorite things. Like when I used to watch Bam's show and he would have his mom and his dad involved and stuff like those were some of like the best parts of the show. I lived for that shit. It was great. Yeah. Like actually, um, hung out with bam like two weeks ago he came over to my house in atlanta and uh yeah he was just like looking at everything he's like dude this is perfect and i was just like yeah like he's like looking at the skate park and stuff and that's a whole nother story what kind of like advice has he been able to give you i mean you guys have 
obviously done such similar things, but to now see where you're at in your wrestling career to like having the reality show kicking up, which we'll circle back to in just a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you're friends with Bam, you're friends with all these guys that have kind of lived and done that. What kind of um, advice do they give to you while you're working together? They don't give me advice that like, I don't know, because like guys like Travis Pastrana and Tony Hawk, they're psychos, you know, like those are the guys like I, I hang out like with. They're going to just tell me, keep going until I explode. <laughs> just egg them on. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I it's It's cool because now I can kind of do the same for others, like get everybody out of their own comfort zone. And it's a cool thing to see when you like have somebody do something that's like gnarly that they never thought they were going to do ever in their whole entire lives. And it's like, see what the human body's capable of. That's what the coolest thing about this whole like thing to me is just like physically seeing what what's possible. It's, I don't know, it's super fun, but like those guys like Travis Pastrana and all those guys, like they helped me like big time with showing me like, yo, like anything's really possible. Cause I never thought I was going to backflip a tricycle over a 40 foot gap. Sure. That was insane. <laughs> That's for sure. How cool is Tony Hawk to hang out with? Because he just seems like I think he's got to be like one of the most beloved athletes of all time. Dude, he's awesome. Like it's literally it's crazy because Tony Hawk and Travis Pastrana, like they're like the Michael Jordans of their sports, and it's cool because they're like the most humble. It's like weird. It's like um, it's just like the people that have accomplished everything that have nothing to prove have no ego and it's so cool when you hang out with like guys like that it was insane like i don't know it, they're just i think the first time i ever talked to tony hawk i was like yo like i wanted it was funny because i was gonna go to his indoor skate park down in san diego and he's like yeah i'll meet you on monday but then he broke his finger and then like he told me he's like yo uh i can't make it so like uh you can come skate my place still and I was like, all right. I was kind of like, fuck, because I flew down from Atlanta. But uh, as I was there, his assistant like let me in, and we're skating. And I'm like trying to skate off this big ladder. And then his assistant like taking this like picture. So I was like, yo, Tony, I don't know who the hell you invited, but this guy's jumping off of something big. <laughs> Tony's like, you know what? I got to go down there and check it out. So he, he, got, he left physical therapy and then came down and watched me skate this ladder and it was sick because i landed the trick right when he got there oh my god he gave me like superpowers i ate shit for three hours straight trying this and the moment he walked through the door i'm like oh shit tony's here and i landed it and i was like fuck it was insane i was just gonna ask you about that because at the beginning of uh tony's documentary the the newer one just came out which is awesome if anyone listening has not seen it it's so so great but it starts with him trying to he's working on a trick he's working on it working on it, getting so frustrated he hits his head like goes through the motions with trying to like nail something down but obviously you've been in a situation like that where you work on something for hours and hours and wait to to land it or figure it out what is that process like it's so weird because like Back in the day, I was able to just like go crazy. And if I broke my ankle, I'm like, cool, whatever. I could just chill. But now I'm like on AEW and people don't know how gnarly it is to balance out skateboarding and wrestling. But I have such passion for skateboarding that you couldn't pay me to stop skateboarding. There's no way I would ever stop skateboarding. Like there's not enough money in the world to make me. And I mean that because there was a point in my first year in wrestling where I just stopped skateboarding because I thought like I had to dedicate 100% of my time to wrestling. So like I stopped like doing a lot of things and I was just wrestling. And then for some reason I was so depressed. I was like, man, like it's almost 
I was like, I'm forgetting who I am as a person. Like I wasn't doing stunts. I wasn't skateboarding. I was like, man, like something's missing. And the moment I picked back up the skateboard, I'm like, it was this. I'm never putting you down again. <laughs> I love you, skateboard. That's pretty much it. And it was it was funny because like, so uh, it's it, there's nothing that beats skateboarding to this day. I don't know. It was it's like a feeling where with wrestling, I, I love it, but it's so weird to say. But like, I don't feel like it's my true uh, calling in life. What do you think is skateboarding? Skateboarding and backflipping tricycles. <laughs> <laughs> Both going very well. That's funny. The night I backflipped the tricycle at this the Nitro Circus show in uh, New York, I'm like sitting there and I'm like so happy. I just feel like an outer body experience. I'm like, I don't think I've ever experienced this in wrestling. It's so weird. I don't know. Do you feel like there's, um, you're kind of like, count, not counting down the days, but that at a certain point you would transition out of wrestling and just stick with doing the stunt, sticking to skateboarding when that time seemed appropriate? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to like go into like film and do other stuff. I don't know, man. Unless like I'm like really having a good time with what I'm doing in wrestling, I'll obviously stay. But I always tell people I don't want to be one of these guys who's like 50 something wrestling in a high school gym because he has to, not because he wants to. Sometimes I just get bored of the world. It's such an odd, like, it's such an odd career, like, uh, all of it from, like, the pro wrestling, the stunts, the skateboarding, to be, like, strategic about what your career and what your life looks like doing those things so that you can continue to make money and continue to build your career and build your name and all of those things, given the fact that they're all such, like, insanely natured. But you do have to be strategic about everything that you do. Yeah, that's why I want to start, like, investing in real estate and all this other crap. I'm very like smart with my money. I'm not no idiot. I'm not gonna buy like a boat that I don't need. You know, like I don't like I don't need a nice car. But I don't know. I just I want to like know that if I want to disappear from the world, I can. I just think it'd be so cool to just disappear from everything for like two years and go to some random country and like just fall off the face of the earth and you know never update people with where I'm at. Like it just sounds like nice. Did you get like a little, did you scratch that itch a little bit? Because you were like, this was off of fucking Wikipedia, so I don't know if it's true or not, but um, that you chose to be homeless for a period of time. Yeah, that's when I like moved from Seattle to Atlanta because Seattle was like the black hole of wrestling. There was like no shows at the time. This was before Defy and everything. Like you couldn't wrestle in the state. The commission wouldn't let you have pro wrestling shows in the state. So we'd always have to go to like Vancouver, Canada or, or Oregon or something like that. So I was like, I got to I got to do something. I got to get out of here. I just didn't have a comfort zone because like I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I really want this to work out. But they don't put like everything into it. I want to look at myself in the mirror and be like, yo, you put you dedicated everything in this. So you have no fucking excuse if you don't make it. You know, when you don't have the comfortability to sit down on the couch and, you know, be like lazy and watch episodes of whatever uh, when you're living in your car because it, especially in Georgia, it was so hot in the summer. Yeah, what did you do? I would have to have like a strict bedtime, so I got decent sleep before, and then I would just like I parked in this uh, this hotel parking garage. It was connected to an Anytime Fitness, and I got the Anytime Fitness membership, and then I was just like. Cooking all my food there at the George Foreman Grill in the bathroom at like one in the morning. 
there's always like one random guy that's like in there. He's like, why the hell does it smell like salmon in this fucking gym? <laughs> and then I'd walk out like just act like I didn't know what he's talking about. But it was fun. I don't know. It was just like. like you, so you thoroughly enjoyed that time of your life or was there any part of you that was like a little like sad to be living like that or you were just like in it? I enjoyed it. I just didn't want to get like robbed or shot. Sure. <laughs> There'd be sometimes I'm like driving around Atlanta and I didn't I didn't know the lay of the land. Like and I'd be like, okay, like, I'll sleep in this Waffle House parking lot and then I'll wake up and there's like this sketchy people around my car. I'm like, oh shit. I'm gonna get stabbed in the Waffle mm-hmm. House. But uh Yeah, so like th- then I found the hotel like parking garage and I was like and I parked at the very top and I was like, Ain't no one gonna walk all the way up here and to rob somebody. Apparently hills are good for that. People don't want to walk. We live at like the top of a hill. And yeah, apparently that's good for like no crime because nobody wants to walk up a hill to commit a crime. Who's got the time for that? It was fun though. <laughs> Even like last week I drove to that parking garage to work out at the Anytime Fitness and I sat, I parked up there and I just thought about like how different life is now compared to then. It is really cool when you can like really have those moments. funny when I was just home in Toronto last week, I was feeling the same way. I don't get home nearly as much as I thought that I would. But anytime I'm there, it does remind me of the like going for auditions and changing in my car and like all the waitressing a million different jobs, like all of those things. It's always fun to kind of remind yourself of the the dues that you've paid, whether you set them yourself or not. It's weird. It's like a double-edged sword. Like when I go back to Seattle, I love it, but then it scares me because it feels like how easily you could have failed and have been there still at Little Caesars. Like every time I drive by that Little I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm scared. <laughs> Don't pull me back in. Yeah, no, it is scary. I was like, I was like, I'm going to get all these tattoos, so I have to commit to like never getting a normal job again. How about that new spine tattoo? Because I feel like I saw you post about getting the new tattoo, and then you were wrestling mere seconds later. Was that horrible to wrestle on that, like two seconds after you just got it done? Yeah, because Brody King gave me a fucking back chop. <laughs> Besides that, no, like the worst by far was the fingertips, like right here. Like I was in the chair for like six hours and they're on my hand. I was like about to vomit. I was like, this fucking, but it was worth it. Beauty is pain. So they say. Yeah. Like the, the AEW toy makers, they're all like, God damn it. Every time you get a new tattoo, we got to create a new toy. That's a smart move though. That's what wrestlers know that change your gear and get some more tattoos and you get more action figures. Go into business for yourself. Um, You were talking at the beginning about when you got into wrestling, sort of feeling like an outcast and didn't really know where you belonged or how you were going to make it in this world. How did you navigate the world of wrestling when you first started getting involved? So like when I graduated high school, I was 18. And then uh, I like looked up this like wrestling school that was in my area called the Buddy Wayne Academy. I like looked on their website and it was a bunch of like big jacked dudes like wearing like sweatpants and sweatshirts. And then at this time I had literally like a two foot mohawk it was like huge and then i was like yeah i can't fucking no that ain't gonna work so i went to film school and then i was at this um there was like this like shitty ass indie in like arizona because i went to film school in arizona there's like this shitty independent show and then like i went there and i was watching it and i was like all right if you were paying to watch this i should at least try this you know and then so i was like fuck this i'm gonna try it and I was like, I dropped out of film school and then went back to Washington and went back to the Buddy Wayne Academy. And then uh, I walked in there and then uh, I was like taking bumps all day for the first time. And then Buddy was like, 
yo, how's that feel? Like expecting me to be like, oh my God, it hurts so bad. But I was like, this ain't shit. <laughs> I was falling on concrete forever. And he's like, who is this kid? Like, well, what's his deal? Like I showed him all these videos of all the stunts that I was doing. He's like, all right, I think we're onto something here. And it was just like, it was like a matter of trying to have that world, like the stunt world and the skateboard world, like meet the wrestling world. Cause it's never been done before. You could say like Jeff Hardy, obviously, or Mick Foley's a stunt man. Yeah. Like that's like for sure. But like, I was just like, how do I, how do I connect these worlds? They're so like, you know what I mean? And it's like the crossovers there. And that's like my big goal with wrestling is to find fans that either gave up on wrestling or never gave it a chance. Cause if they're like, Oh, there's actual skateboarder that like, or stunt man or something like that, that actually like wrestles like, it's cool, like you know, uh, and I feel like the crossover is definitely there because I've a lot of like like fans like wrestling can connect to like a lot of like you know skateboarders and stuff like that, but they just give it a chance. So uh, it's cool to um, kind of be like the first of that kind. But uh, I definitely I was lucky enough to find my niche in wrestling like real quick because by the time I got to AEW, I was only wrestling for like six years. It's cool to not be on the independence for 20 years like i just never felt like i was long for that world like i i felt like i needed to make it a tv wrestling as fast as possible because i could connect with like a big audience who do you like to work with the most i mean somebody like you who you know you can bump your ass off for anybody i'm sure there's a lot of like big men that love to work with you or being able to step in with jeff hardy working alongside sting the way that you do like who do you kind of pull um, inspiration from and stuff that you like to work with? There's a lot of people, but I don't know. Like, I really like to work with guys like Brody King, obviously Jeff, but then I don't know. I like to work with like everybody. Like, I'm, <laughs> it's so weird, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure who. Um, I just remember like the very beginning of AEW wrestling like cody was real fun wrestling john was real fun god i remember you and john wrestling before was it northeast wrestling that you guys wrestled for the first time is that right yeah that was his first like u.s indie yeah i know that match meant a lot because i feel like tony khan didn't really know much about me because like obviously cody's the one who they like, found me and i felt like that match everybody was gonna be watching that you know, be like, all right, what's the deal with like Darby or like, oh, John's wrestling in the US Indy? Like, the fuck's gonna happen? I had like a game plan that night. Like, I went up to him and was like, yo, put me in this body bag and throw me out of the ring. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah. He's like, no, like, I'm not doing that. And I was just like, I was like, uh, it, I, I definitely, I heard from somewhere that Tony Khan watched that match and he's like, okay, I understand everything about Darby now. Like, it all makes sense there's something to this. So like, you know, like, so like I use that, like that was a big one. And that was before I even debuted in AEW. Like that was before Cody. So like that was a, that was a big, like kind of first impression on everybody, you know, because obviously everyone's going to watch and see what John's going to be doing. Um, How did things come about for you and Sting to work together? Because it's obviously such a great pairing, but like what was like sort of the origin story of you guys getting together? I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) Just made sense. We both got paint. That's the funniest. People like say like, oh, yo, so you guys are together because you just paint your face. But it's crazy what people don't see behind the scenes, like how much we get along. During the pandemic, 
I would change in the boiler room. Like that was like my spot. I just like we'd shut the door and just be in the boiler room. And then one day, like Sting walked by and he's like, "Why the? Why are you in this boiler room?" And I was like, "I, I just like to be in my own zone. I don't know, like my own world. Like get away from everything." I, and then he's just like, "All right, well, my locker room's your locker room from now on." Ever since then, even when we went on the road, like he's just like, "Your locker room's my locker room." It's like we have such you know stuff outside of the ring like it's cool but no one gets to see that you know what i mean like so like when when we're paired off now it feels super right but in the beginning i have no idea like you know what i mean like it's funny because they're like all right you're gonna sit in the rafters for like a couple of weeks and i didn't put two and two together and then they said oh sting's gonna debut i'm like oh cool like and i've never met him and then like i started talking to him and then he was watching all my promos and he's like, dude, don't change a thing. Like you're doing awesome. And then they asked me, uh, to be paired with him. And then it was awesome to play a part in his like final chapter. What a chapter it's been like, holy shit. What do you think about the stuff that Sting is able to pull off? Like at this point in his career, people are constantly like shocked at what he's doing. I remember watching back in 2014 when he wrestled Seth at that one pay-per-view. And then I remember watching that like from like my trainer's house. And I was like, oh, dude, this <laughs> Sting's career is over. Like, <laughs> this is like, <laughs> and that was my first year in wrestling. I was watching that and I was like, oh, dude, like this is, this is like insane. You hear neck stuff. You think it's like crap. And at that rate, I'm like, all right, what does Sting have to prove? Like he can just ride off in the sunset. So when he when he came to AEW, that's when he was originally supposed to just do cinematic matches. But I spent an afternoon with him at his house. He had a wrestling ring, and we were just rolling around. I was like, "Dude, come on, let's do a real match." And I'm like, "You got, you got it, like, dude, come on." And then next thing I know, he's like, "Okay, you talked me into it." And then we had the match with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And that was like, that was probably my fair match in AEW considering everything about it. It was the first like full attendance show since the pandemic. Sting was wrestling for the first time since everyone thought he's like, his neck was gone, you know, like, so like that was a, that was a very special moment and like stuff like that. That's where like, you know, people are like, yo, what does Darby and Sting have in common? And it's like, there's so much that goes into it and it's cool. Like I'm like, the sting whisper. <laughs> it is really crazy though. I mean, even just like through the duration of like this interview of like the Tony Hawks, the stings, like these legendary people in their field are all like your peers. I feel like that's a big testament to, to like who you are and what you bring to the table. I don't really expect you to have an answer to this, but like, what do you think that's about? Like, there's just something there that just seems like you guys all belong in the same room. You know, sometimes with wrestling, I feel like you have to go away for people to, you know, I think people take a lot of wrestlers for granted, you know, with like the shit they do in the ring and stuff like that. And and then there's been times because like, I haven't been off of AEW since I've started. Like, yeah, I've had like a two week break or a three week break or whatever, but I haven't been gone for more than like a month since AEW started. And then there was a time, you know, like in the spring where I was like, fuck, I feel like I need to disappear. Because like, I remember a moment last year, it was that casino ladder match. It was the two people were on the ladder. It was John and it was Hangman. And Hangman just came back from having a kid. And the crowd was like 
in Philly was turning on John. It was like weird. They were like, yo, fuck, look, come on, Hangman. And I was like, fuck, like these fans like fucking don't give a shit. I was like, I never thought the fans were going to like boo John ever like that. You know what I mean? And then John went off. And then when John came back and then John's been on this crazy run, I forgot how long John was gone for, but like he, that he's been on this crazy run. There's definitely like something to like being off TV for a while. There's value in that to be able to like give your face a little rest off of TV make people miss you, make people want you to be there. And they appreciate you so much more when you come back. Yeah. But that's what I thought. When I jumped off the ladder, I was like, all right, man, I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to be gone for a while. And I survived. <laughs> he survived it. It's weird, man, because like, I, I don't know. I just feel like people take a lot for granted. And I don't know. I, I just feel like I got to disappear. And maybe I'm hoping that I blow up in a Jeep one day. <laughs> so I don't- Not at this rate. Those things are built well. You got it back up on its feet. It's good to go. I don't know. I just got to disappear and be gone like really fuck off and be gone <laughs> and like because I, I was like in the spring i was just like i don't know i just felt like i was floating around it was it was weird because like you know people will say stuff like all right you're wrestling like cm punk uh you're punk's first match back you have all these pivotal moments and like darby kind of fell off you know what i mean like darby's not you know like i don't know darby's not being used right darby's not this darby's not that and i was just like trying to maneuver around and stay relevant without disappearing is like the ultimate challenge and like i said i've been there since like like the beginning of tv and stuff like that and i've never had that consistent time off and i was just like how the fuck like you know and it's just like i don't know uh sometimes you just gotta remind her motherfucker who you are and jump off like something huge and like you know like oh yeah you know i'm extremely happy like in the ring and outside the ring but like I don't know. I just think everything happens for a reason. Like, you know, so I, I don't know what's going <laughs> to, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to go to outer space and then I'm purposely not going to come back. Okay. So I'll ask you, this is the last question then. You do go to outer space. Who are you going to wrestle in space? Fuck, dude. Anyone who wants to step up. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who wants to go to space with me, but like, I would, it'd be cool to go to space and... I'm just, I don't know, man. Who wants to go to space? I don't even know. A lot of people are like, I don't want to go to space, but um, I will happily conduct an interview from the shuttle or whatever on ground level. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea who I would want to uh, wrestle in space. Like, <laughs> I don't know, a hardcore match in space. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I have all these pugs at home. I feel like my pugs would miss me if I never came back from space. You're a pug guy? Yeah, I had 12 pugs at my house. Excuse the fuck me, you have 12 pugs? That's a lot of farting and snorting. Yeah, but uh, I, I had to lower the herd and give some to my family and friends because you can't give them one-on-one -on -one time. You know what I mean? It's too many. Back when I was married to Priscilla Kelly, we she's like, yo, like I want to get this pug. And I was like, cool, let's get it. And then from there... She's like, the pug needs a friend. And I was like, cool, like, let's get let's get a friend. And then that was a man and a female. And then they had kids. And I thought it was going to be like four kids. But then eight babies popped out. I was like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, me and her, like, it feels like, it feels like we got divorced and we have kids. But it's like the pug babies. 
do you want to visit like do you want visitation rights this week with the bugs oh my gosh you guys are still on like friendly terms then obviously yeah 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 so that's nice but that's it's like cool. it feels like the one thing it feels like we have this like kid or these like pugs yeah I'm like hey take care of these pugs this week <laughs> it's fun that's great oh my gosh I had no idea I also did not know pugs had that many puppies in one litter geez I would have thought like four too eight good lord I didn't know either and I was just like what the fuck and then started giving like birth in the walk-in closet and I was like what is going on here man like I was just like I'm fucked because like uh, I, it's it's uh, it, yeah but it was cool they must have been so cute oh my gosh that's great well, listen, Darby, I appreciate you hopping on here and uh, delving into many different topics with me. Um, should you ever decide to, to just fuck off for a bit and go do your own thing? Uh, well, I'll be very excited to see you come back. But in the meantime, uh, it's just it's really fun watching you cement your legacy as you go. I mean, you definitely are doing that currently um, in AEW. And I do think fans thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate you. But I like that you put so much thought and effort into all of your work. Very cool. I want to stop and smell the roses, but you can't. I don't know. It's weird. Do you ever have that? Oh, my God, dude. Literally, before before I signed with AEW, I was literally going, should I just, like, forget it? Should I, should I just, like, hang with my kid and be at home? And, like, what a luxury to be able to do that, first of all. But, like, yeah, I definitely was, like, should I just, like, pause and slow down? And now I feel like I have more jobs than I can fucking handle. Um which, yeah, exactly. Like, you can't stop and smell the roses. I don't know what's going on or what's happening ever. It was like that for me when I was at WWE, too, because even when I decided that I was going to leave was when COVID kicked in. And I was like, oh, my God, things have finally slowed down enough that I can actually jump off this ride. It's slowed down enough that I can, like, do a little open the door and do a duck and roll out. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to find time to, like, get the world to slow down so you can actually just enjoy the things that you're doing. It's, it's rough out there. I think that's why I don't have Wi-Fi or TV. I feel like it's like my only downtime from like the end of the world. No, it's smart. It is really smart just to like reconnect with yourself and to be writing and thinking about different things because God, there's so many times I'll just be like zoning out. And I'm like, why am I back on this app? Why am I looking at this stuff? I don't even care about it. Like put it away. So you're definitely smarter than the rest of us by just don't participate. Unplug. Unplug and flip some trikes. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Um, hopefully Cincinnati is good to you. I know it's cold out there, but there are um, there's some good hills I'm sure you could find to go rip it up on. I, I haven't left the hotel. I'm trying to catch up on sleep because I have like no sleep for the Halloween party. So like I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go walk out. Probably I have this thing where I wake up at one in the morning and I go walk around the city, whatever city we're in. Well, you just missed out. They just had this really cool, I don't know if it's still on, it was still on yesterday, which is a Sunday. I'm surprised it was, but there's this thing called the Blink Festival and it's like this insane lights festival, like all downtown and like all the graffiti and artwork is all lit up really cool. It's it's pretty fucking rad. The Uber driver was telling me about that on the way to this hotel. He's just like, he was telling us about that. And then he told us about how he got a job offer to be a drug smuggler. And I was like, fuck, dude. <laughs> hey, you do what you got to do. We all got bills to pay, right? He's like, I can't do Uber forever, man. I got it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all right. Well, go to sleep. I'll see you tomorrow at work. All right. Take care. Have a good one. See ya. 
thank you to Darby for taking the time. I know it's never easy when you're like bouncing town to town and trying to set up on hotel Wi-Fi and just hoping that uh, everything's going to work out the best way. And it did. We got it. We got it. So good. Um, Yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I know I certainly enjoy being able to hang out with Darby and get to pick his brain a little bit and just learn a little bit more about him. It's actually fun, too, because like... We do the interview, and then while we were, like, waiting for the interview to upload, you end up, like, kind of shooting the shit afterwards anyways because we're all just, you know, stuck on the app waiting for it all to do its thing. And you just, like, then, like, continue having more of a conversation and, like, not part of the podcast, but... Um, yeah, I feel like we actually got to like really talk sort of for the first time because as much as I've seen him and I've said hey to him, we've never really gotten to talk to each other all that much. Um, so it was nice to uh, to get a little glimpse inside his brain. I was like pleasantly surprised. Not that like I was expecting anything to not be great, but I just I wasn't sure like what level of chattiness we were going to get or like what kind of stories he was going to want to talk about and yeah, he was he was really, really great. So anyways, I hope that you guys enjoyed this. Um, and yeah, shout out to Darby. Guy rules. Uh, I'll see you guys next time here on The Sessions.